Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 102 for Monday, August 17th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. We have been through the old technology corner this morning on the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast, which if you're interested in listening to Joel and I's thoughts about how television has progressed, Google Home Assistants, and our occasional StarCraft strategies, you can sign up at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to get access to that RSS feed, as well as hang out and listen to the show live. We record these live in Discord now, so our patrons can listen in as the show is being made. And it's always a fun time, lots of people dropping in pictures of old computers they used to have and (laughs) occasional things that look like they belong in a nuclear power station, but it's probably just like, this is what a supercomputer was back then. Uh, It's always a good time, so that's patreon.com slash the spawn chunks if you are interested in checking those out how's your minecraft week been joel what have you been up to i have played precious little minecraft this week uh i am working on the netherite hall i'm being a bit stubborn about it because i'm trying to you know as i've mentioned before work with blackstone Mm -hmm. um but i did decide to double the length of the netherite hall build um to play with the fog effect in the nether uh, something that I, I, I think I want to try to do more in the different biomes. I think it would be neat to have different tunnel designs based on, say, like if you're building a safe nether tunnel through a basalt delta and you have that white fog with the ash particles, you know. Um, currently, it's in a nether waste, uh, so you're just getting like this black. It's not even red. It's like a black fog that happens. Yeah. And um, really in, like enjoying playing the mechanics, but because I've doubled the length of a hundred and something block room, we're now dealing with 200 some blocks, uh, all of which is still under a lava lake, uh, lots of lava pockets. And uh, I died again, which was not fun. I, did, I didn't rage quit, but I was pretty much ready to stop playing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't lose the elytra, but I lost everything else that wasn't um, netherite. It's the Minecraft and... equivalent of, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is that it just becomes not fun. It's just mm-hmm. like I'm just I'm kind of done with this mechanic. And I had fire resist potions on, and I like I kid you not, the lava surprise could not have come at a worst. Like it was just like the lava, the fire resistance potion ran out. Like, yeah. Seconds. Bef- <laughs> like like I think I still had it going when the lava was coming towards me, and then yeah. I, and I and I couldn't get to the other potion on my hot bar fast enough. Um. And it actually, it took. You know, I tried to drink it. I was drinking it when I died. Like this yeah. is how close it was. I was like, ah, oh, you know. And it's. It wasn't. I didn't have a shulker box on me. I thankfully the elytra ended up on a block that was not in, in lava. But everything else was just kind of like, well, I don't really want to go through this. It's just a frustrating build. I'm. I'm aware that I brought it on myself with the location that I chose. Mm-hmm. Like I. I get it. But it's just one of those things where like, meh. It's a. It's still. It's still in one of those phases where it's not yet satisfying because it's a 200 plus block long room that I've got half dug out. So right now it's just a big box with some tunnels in it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like a heck of a lot. Um, It's, I mean, it looks cool as far as the, the distance and the depth is, is going. I I quite like that. It is dark, uh, but it, but it's, it's, it's coming together in the way that I want. Um, But I feel like I'm just, the, the losing the equipment stuff like it, it is starting to get a little bit frustrating and i think i'm also i'm ex- i'm now to the point where i'm exhausting my backups like if i died three months ago in minecraft it's like well whatever i've got six pick- pickaxes and 
four shovel. Like, I mean, I had, I had multiples of every end level thing. Now I'm down to one fortune pick. Uh, I'm down to two silk touch picks. Like I have the one elytra left. Like, again, not a big deal because we've reset the end um, with the 116 update. So, or the end islands, I should say, not the whole thing. But so, so there are end cities very close by. It would not take me more than 20 minutes to go get another electric you know yeah um but it's just the sort of like like i don't want to do all of that so i think maybe the next time that i go and work on the netherite hall i'm just going to be naked i'm just going to go like i'm going to grab my pickaxe <laughs> like my netherite pickaxe that won't burn and that's it <laughs> yeah we'll just see how it goes i guess i'll have to have a gold helmet to keep the piglins away but other than that like i'm just gonna be like forget it and gold <laughs> like, helmets are, go, gold helmets yeah. are ten a penny you can scavenge those from the average skeleton or zombie mob spawner you know yeah there's, yeah, yeah there's, well, there's even enough the, of those lying around even the gold nuggets that you're gonna get from when i do get into mining new chunks like even the gold nuggets from the nether you'll probably end up with enough for a gold helmet yeah, or gold boots or something that's like that, fair so. that's fair yeah but yeah so uh, really it's just been a it's just been a, a a longer project than anticipated, and I think we've all been there on on those projects. Where <laughs> oh you're just boy, have like, we? Yes. Yeah, like this was a good idea when I started, but it's also really dark and it's all the same. And it will be a cool thing to look at when it's done. But building it is, it's almost like the end result will be cool, but it's not fun to build. There are other things that are both fun to build and look cool at the end, and this is just not one of those things. Um, and that's fine. Um, I, I think I might give myself a break, and um, because I have died several times and I need to fix some things, I think the next time I play, I might switch over to a technical build and upgrade the Enderman farm in the end to be faster and more yeah. efficient. And so that way, when we, if I do die on stream, and it's a matter of like, well, I really need to repair some stuff and get things going in order to continue the stream. It's not a 30 or 40 minute diversion. It's like a 10 minute pop in, pop out, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll maybe take care of some technical uh, housekeeping. So, so that's what's on the, the slate for me. What's, uh, what's up with you in Minecraft? Uh, I am still working on my own nether tunnels TNT mining for ancient debris. We are now over 1200, which is about a fifth of the way to my ultimate goal which is the full netherite beacon, 5,904 ancient debris. Uh, and I'm aiming for roughly 6,000 just to account for any variation in like where I've miscounted here and there and wanting a bit of ancient debris and netherite just to play around with outside of the the, the use as a beacon. Uh, but that's been fun. Uh, like you, I have been in a lot of very close calls with lava. Uh, thankfully didn't die too much on stream i've only died once in the process of doing this and that was a a misfired bed breaking a block underneath me and me falling into lava and then being able to scramble out of the lava and then die on fire in a neighboring corridor so i didn't lose any of my items thankfully but yeah it's been uh it's been a bit of a journey and i now just shake my head every time i see lava and try and get around it if i can um but that's going all right Outside of that, uh, I'm exploring a very different looking nether in my Skyblock world because with Dr. Trog's new additions to the map for 1.16, the nether actually has some additional islands out there beyond just the starting platform where you have a nether portal and the uh, nether fortress tower that has the end portal in it. There are individual islands, both the one that you get transported to when you start the map, which I think is in a basalt delta, but it has a bit of uh, warped fungus growing on it so that you can get wood and stuff like that quite early. And then there is also an actual warped forest island with just one fungus on it. Uh, there is a uh, crimson forest island, of course, and also a soul sand valley island. So there are, with there being biomes in the nether and 
unique things spawning in each of those biomes, there are actually some really interesting prospects for more efficient mob farms because you don't have to deal with any other blocks being around and you can build at the Y0 level so you can get a really efficient spawning platform. You have slightly better chance of getting down that low in the nether because you can bone meal weeping vines to get down oh, to yeah. Y0 and start placing blocks around those. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do this week and try and build a really efficient uh, zombie pigman gold farm basically at void level. <laughs> we'll see how well that goes for me. Um, so nice. yeah, the, that skyblock map is is a little fun. It, it's um, obviously changed a little bit from when I started playing it in 115. I think there is a witch hut and a pillager watchtower in the overworld as well. But the nether is the more exciting prospect for me right now. Um, and outside of that, I'm working on a storage area for the museum. And my project this week is auto farming warped and crimson blocks. I've discovered that you can grow... Uh, warped and crimson fungus right next to pistons. You know how normally you'll bone meal a sapling and if there's anything else within like a block radius of it yes, it doesn't yeah. always grow? The warped and crimson fungi are not like that. They will grow regardless and so auto farming those is potentially a lot easier than it is with the tree farm where you have to, I don't know, put like a bunch of logs being the things that push them around so you can't have the pistons right next to where your sapling is growing. Uh, nice. you, can, you can do some, some better stuff with the the warped and crimson and the problem then is just the sheer amount of variety you get in all of the stuff that generates and the fact that the warped wart and nether wart blocks don't disappear automatically when you start mining the wood um so a tnt powered warped and crimson farm is probably on the on the cards as well so it's going to be a busy could, week of technical projects for me yeah you could minimize the amount of um if you're not looking for shroom lights and and warped wart and nether wart then you could probably put the sapling or not the saplings the fungi all next to one another to minimize the amount of like leaves we'll say that the yes. trees actually have um whereas you usually want to do the opposite in a tree farm because you want the extra saplings that you get from, yeah. from the leaves yeah the, so. the the fun thing is you can actually get warped and crimson fungi from bone mealing the uh nylium so if you're you, you have to plant them on nylium to grow them anyway half the time you are saving on more um more crimson and warped fungi because if you bone meal that block one of them will just grow there anyway <laughs> so you, right. can, you actually end up saving in a way that you can't with a regular tree farm where you just have to go through saplings constantly and yeah hmm. it's an interesting prospect but i want to get a fair amount of those materials anyway because i plan on doing some building with them at the museum just for color accents here and there and that kind of stuff so yeah looking forward to making some progress on that i think i'm gonna tackle some of that later today We've got uh, we get an email later about sorting systems and stuff, um, so I'll be curious to talk about that with your museum project. But just out of curiosity, are you coming up with the sorting system design yourself from the redstone side of things, or are you picking up something from some somewhere else online? Uh, I have a mix of things, and yeah, I will go into that a little bit later. Mostly it's the standard Impulse SV item filter and just a long line of uh, storage silos, so everything's getting filtered being directed around a bunch of hoppers by water streams and uh the the idea is that because the museum has to have one of every block and item the storage probably has to allow for that uh so i have a huge storage room now which is not entirely finished but most of the item filter circuits and stuff are in place and most of the reason i want to farm so much wood is just because i need to make more chests um yeah. but just having uh you know storage for all of that stuff and i'm thinking about making different storage solutions for different uh 
types of block. Like, I'm not going to need a full double chest of oak buttons, for example, so it makes no sense to just filter those on their own. So I have different things in mind for those, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff to store in the game, and um, I'm trying to make it look a little bit like it is the archive room of a museum, so having giant stacks of chests and drawers and that kind of stuff is good, up to a point but I also want it to look like there are other forms of storage there and we'll definitely get into that in the email because I have some fun solutions for uh, cool. folks there very very cool I think we should move on to the news though because there is a lot to cover some of which you will have heard before but that is because this week saw the release of Minecraft Java Edition 1.16.2 and all of the features that we've seen arrive in the 1.16.2 snapshots over the last few weeks are finally added to the game so we'll run down the change log here you can find all of the complete information for this at minecraft.net. Of course, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, starting off with accessibility changes. So we have distortion effects such as nausea and the nether portal overlay now being able to be reduced. At lower values, the nausea effect is replaced with a green overlay as an alternative visualization. And field of view effects shown after speed modifiers are applied can now be reduced. So no more of your field of view going Quake Pro as soon as you take a speed potion or uh, run over some soul sand with soul speed. There are some changes to piglin bartering, including piglins now bartering blackstone and water bottles, magma cream and a couple of other items have been removed and other item amounts have been tweaked or the rarity has been changed. The bastion remnants loot has also been tweaked. Not only that, but chests in bastion remnants are now more likely to be positioned on top of gilded blackstone, making it more difficult for you to break a block under the chest and loot it using a hopper. Uh, there are a few blocks and items that have seen some changes in 116.2. Brewing stands can now be crafted using blackstone. Lanterns and soul lanterns can now be waterlogged, so can chains. Crimson and warped fungus can now be placed on mycelium for decorative purposes. Uh, chains can now be placed in all orientations. We have horizontal chains in the game now. Tools are now sorted based on material in the creative inventory. And Totems of Undying now give the fire resistance status effect for 40 seconds when activated. Bedrock players are probably like, what? Yes, it didn't do that in Java before, it does now. Uh, Endermen are no longer holding their, uh, no longer placing their held block onto blocks of bedrock. Zoglins can now be leashed. When a zombie piglin is spawned riding a strider, it will now be holding a warped fungus on a stick, indicating that's what you need to ride a strider around. Piglin Brutes are kind of the headline thing, though. Uh, they have been added to Bastions. They are stronger, axe-wielding versions of Piglins. They cannot be distracted by gold or even bartered with, and they will always attack players who dare to trespass in a Bastion Remnant. Piglins themselves, all varieties of Piglins, will now become angry with players who open or destroy a chest minecart, so no more of that workaround. Villagers have had a couple of changes as well. They will now emit green particles when joining a village, setting a home bed or acquiring a job site or profession. And villagers will now lose their job sites when changing dimension, making creating a new village somewhere else a little bit of a smoother experience. There is a couple of changes to respawning, modifying how respawn positions are chosen for beds and respawn anchors, and they will avoid placing the player on dangerous blocks, such as magma blocks or anything that's on fire. There are a few technical changes as well, most notably custom worlds now having support for custom biomes as well. I believe those are still kind of work in progress features, but there is a lot of power to be had there as we've discussed in previous episodes. There are some small improvements to data and resource pack selection screens and the sign editing screen and uh, command tags can now have optional entries allowing for a little bit more variety in uh, custom commands. 
Before we dive in to discuss the new updates, uh, we've got uh, new Minecraft Dungeons DLC and more coming September 8th, mm -hmm. Creeping Winter DLC with new missions and enemies, new weapons, armor, artifacts, etc. A free game update for everyone, which includes new uh, merchants and daily trials. A blacksmith will upgrade items for you, while the gift wrapper will allow you to trade items to your allies in multiplayer. Merchants can now also be leveled up for additional stock. Daily trials will add uh, wild changes to the mechanics, which will provide uh, difficult experimental or fun challenges for you to overcome. Minecraft Dungeons will also have a physical release, basically the hero edition of the game, uh, on disc for Xbox, PS4, and cartridge for Switch. Uh, release is September 8th, except in J Japan, where release will be delayed due to production delays. Yes, uh, and we also have a little bit of news coming through the pipeline from Lady Agnes about the Minecon live broadcast, or I believe Minecraft live, as it might be called now. Uh, Lady Agnes put, said on Twitter that she'd seen many questions if there would be a Minecraft live event slash Minecon this year, and she was super happy to say there will indeed be a broadcast. We will for sure show some exciting things then, with a winking emoticon. <laughs> uh, more information coming next month, so stay tuned for that. So it's good to know that despite all of the setbacks this year has seen we should be on course to get a presentation about what's coming to minecraft soon a lot to well, unpack think, a lot to unpack yeah. this week um I, I, well, let's just start with the tweet from lady agnes because it's a short conversation um i think we'll i mean i will we've had two minecon lives that we've covered on this podcast mm -hmm. uh i don't anticipate the information that we get will be a heck of a lot different you know like it, it'll be a different delivery but i think that because we've been consuming it via a digital broadcast that it'll be very similar it just uh i'm kind of crossing my fingers and hoping that it doesn't have the dog and pony show <laughs> with <laughs> that comes with a stage show with uh, you know parents and kids in the audience they and it just takes you know two hours to get 30 minutes worth of information to you i i expect um, there will be a lot more video components and just kind of like features like they've been doing on the minecraft youtube channel maybe some mm -hmm. like sort of featured um you know meet the minecrafter q a kind of segments and stuff like that but yes it seems like the the more variety like for kids aspect of the stage show that we've seen in previous years might be on the back burner a little bit considering world events have led to uh <laughs> gen generally people frowning upon gatherings like that in theaters so maybe there's yeah. some kind of more theatrical component involved but i don't know maybe that'll be downplayed this year we'll see perhaps if nothing else it might be a little bit more difficult and their time might be better spent just on delivering more of the information content but i um i'm also i think i might be done with the whole voting thing i you know i i would rather just kind of hear how and when they're going to change the things that have already been voted on you know and and what progress and what the schedule might be for that um rather than saying okay let's vote on a thing that's not going to change for 16 to 18 months yeah i think it's interesting because of the different ways the mojang team is keen on receiving feedback and uh there are a lot of different ways to get in touch with the team they've been very vocal about connecting with people on on twitter you know on the minecraft feedback site they've been testing the combat snapshots on reddit a lot of these are kind of individual focus groups with specific communities not to mention the fact that they reportedly have a back-end discord where they talk to the technical community a lot and there's a lot of you know a lot of individual communications with the devs and it feels like the broadcast minecon live uh, biome vote kind of stuff was more a way of getting feedback from a broader swath of the community in general those people who were able to vote 
uh, in those who might not have had any interactions with the team in the first place. So yeah, it, it might be interesting to see if they continue that format just to get a broader overview of what the community wants. But then when it comes to individual aspects of the game, things get a little bit more focused in. But yeah, we talked about this previously, considering that we haven't seen the uh, outcome of last year's Minecon biome vote brought into the game yet because there have been other additions to the game that have happened in the meantime and the mountain changes that we all voted for last time uh, didn't arrive with the nether update they're reportedly coming with 1.17 it's going to be interesting to see if they keep trying to uh, push changes ahead of that schedule ahead of that kind of release window and and at what point yeah people just kind of get bored of waiting because i've i've seen so many jokey comments about snowier snow and things like that in my my youtube videos lately yeah i i i think that i would be even uh open to like more frequent tiny updates you know yeah like there's a number of biomes that we you know savannah uh swamp um what was the other one that they they uh desert so like I would I would just, rather than them just say like hey here is the remaining biomes and we're gonna try to do it every few months and they don't have to be hard and fast dates and stuff like that but we're just you know expect micro updates over the next little while I'm just like sweet because that would mean like every few months you'd be getting um something sm probably smaller than the bees update but it would be more frequent uh and I I think that would be I think more I don't want to say enticing to players but I feel like it would just be it would fuel the Minecraft train. You know what I mean? Because there's always that um, explosion of new content, you know, whether it's YouTube videos explaining what's new or people being creative and exploring the new stuff. Uh, and there's all that kind of like, we'll say advertising, you know, for the lack of a better word, that happens when new things come to Minecraft. And if you're doing that more often, like the Minecraft train, which is already a big train, would just be steamrolling you know, across, you know, media platforms because of there'd just be always something, you know, to talk about. Yeah, I, th I think the approach varies and the, the looking at it from a different perspective here, if you start rolling out updates to individual biomes, say you were to do that with like an update every three months, adding one of the biomes that they've talked about changing but hasn't won the vote in previous years. So they've got four of those potentially that they could pull for, you know, four updates over the course of a year then you have people restarting their worlds because they want to access the new stuff faster and then they generate a world and then three months later an update to terrain generation in one of those biomes happens and suddenly they don't have access to that new stuff until they go further and further out so as far as players wanting to get closer to that new content it suddenly relies on you being able to reset or edit your world every three months. And they right. may not want to be that disruptive to players who want to have longer, more ongoing worlds. And there are some of us who are much more comfortable doing a bit of terrain editing now, but I think for the average player, maybe they don't want to encourage people to have to reset their world every three months just to get some of the newer stuff. So yeah, yeah it, it, it varies. True. I think the, the approach yeah. is always going to have to balance one way or the other, depending on what the community is, is keen for. And I also will add that, of course, I have zero idea how the development cycle actually works inside. Yeah, of exactly. And whether that's even feasible. Just, just, just a thought. Just yes. a noodle to throw at the wall. Really. Uh, let's throw some more noodles at one sixteen point two. Have you made any updates to your worlds yet? Have you updated your server to one sixteen two yet, or anything? No, I haven't. But now I want spaghetti. Um, <laughs> we're so I am still dealing with the inability to play Minecraft on Mac or PC without the Fabric performance 
needs. Right, with sodium uh, and everything Sodium, else. lithium, etc. So um, they're not ready for 116.2 at, at present, um, or at least they weren't the last time I checked. Uh, and so that's not a priority right now. Um, I, I need to talk with the Infinity Cove people, my patron server, to see when and how they want to update. Um, really, the only appealing thing to, to me in 116.2 uh has been uh, the um horizontal chains and waterlogged lanterns and right. yeah. soul lanterns so it's a small thing to go through a lot of work to to update the servers um and not to mention that it's there's a lot of backend stuff so the um data pack version numbers and resource pack version well data packs for sure i don't know about resource pack numbers but the version numbers have been changed uh in 116.2 which means that you know you have to update all your data packs and stuff and we do play with a fair amount of quality of life data packs on the Citadel, et cetera. So um, we don't have any immediate plans. Um, it all depends on when my time is available, when Fabric and other performance mods are available uh, to, to do that, which is frustrating. I would just like to stay on top of it and just play um, with the new update. Uh, but yeah, just, so it's, I, in, in thinking about this too, I've realized that while I think 116 is a beautiful update and and really adds a lot to the game aesthetically and i'm just finding i'm not getting a lot of gameplay out of it uh -huh. like there's i'm not running to jump into minecraft in 116 the way that i thought i would it's cool but once you've walked around and seen the biomes in the nether you're like well this is a much more pleasant experience but i still not spending a lot of time here yeah and so there's not a lot of features much like the 113 update with the water features where like we were champing at the bit to to get in there and update it because like that was going to change so much across everywhere right um and so i think that that might be one of the other reservations um but that's very specific and subjective uh well subjective to me from the gameplay perspective but then from from a technical standpoint i'm just i'm i'm getting a little sick of not being able to play minecraft on modern computers when i should be able to and i so i'm just not excited to to get in there and mess around until the third party people are are working on something functioning and that's fine like i mean it's i don't pay for the third party updates i haven't paid for minecraft other than the one time i bought it years ago so like i'm not trying not to complain too loud um, I think the frustration comes from the point of me doing a podcast about Minecraft and, and, sure. and having such heavy, heavy restrictions uh, on the other side of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that um, something that I was not anticipating and only experienced through videos of people showing off what was happening in 116.2, we've had axe-wielding bad guys in the game for a while, right? Mm -hmm. There's been the... Um, the the Johnny um, Vindicators called Vindic Vindicator from the Woodland Mansions. Then there's now Vindicators that are included in the Pillager raids. Uh, I think it's the skin tone. I don't consider Minecraft to be a violent game, but when the people that I w was watching uh, on YouTube that were talking about the update were being chased by uh, piglin brutes with golden axes, it felt very aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's because they're the same color as humans. Right. And they're not, they're not gray. They're not green. They're not skeletons. Like, and they're not, I mean, they're pigs. They're not people either, but it just, it, it felt like, I was like, Ooh, wow, that's, that's intense. Um, so, and I don't, I don't do a lot of like raiding and PVE and stuff like that in the game, but, um, it, it looked like they've added that extra little bit of oomph to the nether to make it even harder for people that do want to go and do those, um, bastion raids, et cetera. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know... I haven't updated to 116.2 either, mainly because I'm waiting for the replay mod, because my Skyblock series in particular, I'm using the replay mod a lot to handle time lapses of segments where I'm just grinding for resources and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm i not champing at the bit to get into 116.2. I think the, the features, while they are good, and there's a couple of fun quality of life features in there, it, 116.1 has been like perfectly playable for me and has provided everything i want from the nether update i feel like a lot of these other things um like the piglin brute like being able to barter blackstone and stuff is nice but i don't need it to be in the game right this second you know i can i can wait and i have the luxury of being able to wait at this point and yeah i think i'm i'm a little bit happier waiting for the the content creation side of things to catch up a little bit and having tools like the replay mod available to me um and yeah when it comes to bastions and stuff i think i've explored enough of my immediate surroundings in the nether that i will probably have to travel quite far to find a bastion that has a piglin brute in it and there's probably a couple of directions i could go that i won't have explored yet but there are definitely going to be a few much further out that i will have to find in order to to interact with a piglin brute for the first time which once again i will probably have to capture one and bring it back to my museum at some point so wow that's going to be quite the task for me but we'll uh we'll see how it goes capturing Do... all the mobs is going to be fun so i know that with pillagers you can use a certain block height level and sight lines to try and um break the crossbow so that be they become a passive pillager even though they're angry they've got nothing to actually shoot you with mm -hmm. do do axes have durability for I, the piglin brute i don't believe they do and you'd yeah. have to have them hit something with an axe and the question remains what do they hit what? because they they, yeah. they deal quite a lot of damage even just to a fully armored player with you know resistance and stuff you'd probably last a little bit longer but i do think there's not many ways you could really stand up to a piglin brute attacking you for very long unless you had an inventory full of shields <laughs> i suppose yeah but even then i don't think vindicators axes break i think pillagers are unique in that their crossbows just have durability for some reason and mm. uh besides that i think because the the only reason pillagers don't attack you when their crossbows break is that they don't have a melee attack programmed in Whereas I'm sure piglin brutes, if their axes could end up breaking, would probably just attack you with their fists after that because right. they, they, their AI is programmed to melee attack the player. Melee attack, that makes sense. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I believe regular piglins with crossbows can break those crossbows, but again, they will just melee attack you because other piglins can spawn with swords and they all have the same AI. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, we, we won't be able to pacify the brutes. The brutes are going to be as brutal as they ever will be. Well, we found a big blackstone deposit and it's right next to a bastion on the citadel. So I'm glad that that section is already loaded in and we don't have to deal with them because you're, we already have to be kind of careful when we're mining the blackstones. Like, is this blackstone or is this like piglin bastion that I'm about to mine up? If you're not paying attention in the dark nether, you can get some angry piglins happening quite quickly. Yeah. And uh, being that close to a bastion uh, in a basalt delta and having to worry about piglin brutes would just not be fun. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I'm not, not looking to go out and, and attempt to conquer any bastions just yet. I would eventually, from a farming perspective, like to find one and, um, decommission it so that I could use the magma cube spawner for a farm. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, again, one of those farms that I've just never done because they weren't possible until now. So that kind of thing would be, be fun to do. Yeah. I, I know from, um from being in the uh in the nether for so long now 
uh, I'm looking forward to using the chains and the horizontal chains and stuff and some of the medieval bridge building and some of the cool, you know, uh, more rustic stuff that I have plans for in the future. That, that to me is going to be exciting when I do get to that point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's take a quick look at the Minecraft Dungeons Creeping Winter DLC now that we have a release date for that. A lot sooner than I was expecting. Uh, it's coming on September 8th. And yeah, this is presumably going to be just the same amount of levels I expect as you get from the Jungle Awakens DLC. Probably one or two levels and a bonus level maybe, and a few extra weapons and armor and that kind of stuff. The The additions to Jungle Awakens were not my favorite, but it works thematically. There is a, a whip uh, weapon that you can get and an ocelot armor that kind of looks like you're, you're wearing like a cat onesie or something like that. <laughs> and uh, it had a very Indiana Jones kind of vibe to it with the whip, which I, I thought worked for the setting, if not necessarily my favorite style of, style of weapons. Um, but Creeping Winter presumably has a few more things to add in that respect maybe a couple more like abominable snowman type maybe even some snow golems i don't know uh we'll see and there's a little bit of promotional art but really not that much hinting at exactly what we're getting maybe a little bit more news on that closer to the time but i think the big news is really in the free game update that everyone is getting because you now have merchants that will uh allow you to trade items to multiplayer allies which is really big and it remains to be seen if that's going to be uh, like if there are going to be level requirements for using certain gear or if people who are already through the game up to apocalypse difficulty and have like the highest possible level gear are going to be able to give their little brother who's just started playing the game a you know a, a giant axe with level 100 stuff and if they're actually going to be able to use that from default difficulty on or if they're going to uh, like level gate some of that stuff or not allow you to use certain weapons and armor until you've passed a certain level of difficulty in the game so it'll be interesting to see but considering there is not a competitive element to minecraft dungeons the gameplay is entirely co-op as far as multiplayer goes i think it doesn't stand to unbalance the game too much it might just make it slightly easier for people playing on lower levels but it's not like people are going to get in the game and stomp everybody in whatever the current meta is you know it's yeah. not really going to work out that way and i find too um with games like this where you can trade trade items it brings me back to my world of warcraft days where if you did not care about the progression yourself you just wanted to catch up with your friends so that you could all play on the same level together then you would end up getting weapons um trickled down to you from players that have been playing for a while or they had an extra thing that they didn't need or whatever and you'd end up with this kind of like cobbled together build but you'd end up being pretty powerful and being able to catch up to your friends a lot quicker mm -hmm. um at a certain point the game actually ended up giving you an option to just pay more and start a character at a higher level yeah or you would get like a free up like if you bought the new expansion then you would end up with a free character start so i kind of wonder if that might be something that um, dungeons might include in that say now that we've got this is going to be the third of the i know the second of the expansions that were included in the hero pack that that i think you and i both bought um, so the next time they do a, D, uh, a DLC for Minecraft Dungeons, it'll be something that we have to pay out of pocket. And that's fine because I'm sure it'll be, you know, worth it. And from what I can tell, it looks like they're around five to ten dollars or something. Yeah, I feel um, like I've definitely got my money's worth out of the Hero Edition at least. And yeah, oh, for sure. It, it remains to be seen if there'll be another DLC pass that will include the price of any forthcoming updates or if it's mm. just going to be individual a la carte kind of stuff at that point. But we, yeah, uh, I imagine they'll probably have both. Um, but what will be cool there is that if that's the case, 
then if you had an option after buying, I don't know what it would be called, um, you know, the, 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 the spooky end update, whatever that happens to be, uh, then you could have an option to say, if you bought this particular update, you'd have one character that would start at like adventure mode or whatever the end yeah. of, you know, creeping winter would be. So that if you did want to jump in with somebody that has been playing Minecraft Dungeons for six months, then you could just jump in and go learn a few mechanics that really wouldn't take you that long to catch on and then not have to grind through the whole thing or at least not grind right away. You could jump in and play right away with friends or then you can start your own character from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to see. Um, I, I think it's great that they're putting out content for dungeons so quickly. I still haven't beaten the game. Um, not for lack of uh, liking it, just time and having that frustrating um, illager, you know, battle. I was like, yeah, I just haven't had the, the inclination to get back into that kind of game. But when I have popped in, uh, outside of that, um, with you doing some multiplayer, uh, it's just been great fun. And I, I, I anticipate it being that kind of a game for me to just like jump in with some friends, bash some skeletons heads together, have a few laughs, uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, I'm uh, looking, I'm looking forward to the daily trials. Those sound like my cup of tea, especially considering it says, uh, changes to the game mechanics, makes things experimental, makes things fun. Um, I, yeah, I, I have, I have an inkling what a couple of those might end up being. Um, does, does anybody else feel like doing a bare fist Steve challenge? Because you never know, they might make you. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of stuff uh, that will add. It will certainly add a little bit more replayability to people who feel like, you know, just going through the same levels, grinding for gear and stuff doesn't have much of an appeal to them. If there are challenges, depending on what the rewards for those challenges are, be it achievements or extra chances at high level gear, or maybe something that's going to allow the blacksmiths to upgrade your tools which is one of the other things that's getting added uh yeah it it, it may be the case that that adds more uh replay value to a game that some folks were just happy to go through the levels once and then never touch it again i think too that um the multiplayer trade with the what's it called gift wrapper yeah it's an, inter it's an interesting name and yeah. it's very very minecrafty you know like yeah you think it's going to be called like a tradesman or, or a shopkeep or something they call it a gift wrapper it's got it's got a good uh, sense of humor to it yeah yeah um probably a fun animation too when you trade things off um but like it'll probably have a cost to it i would imagine but it, it allows that multiplayer strategy where you can say like well i'm really having fun doing ranged who picked up a good ranged weapon that run you know and you, you can kind of like combine things and get things going that way uh or give you know your melee player better armor and stuff like that um rather than having to either switch your strategy based on well the gear that i just picked up is better even though i don't want to play a magic character right now uh or the reverse which is the struggle of three people playing together trying to find a strategy when you know you're all ranged you know because that's what you've been picking up randomly yeah uh i think that having the 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 gift wrap would be really cool also um we've had this debate before about uh this on the show with dungeons as you get better weapons it often forces you to then try different playstyles, which i think is good uh, so blacksmith upgrades means that you could basically keep the bow that you like and continuously upgrade it as far as i know i don't know i'm speculating but it means that you might have to change that style less choice is good but i do i did kind of like the fact that all oh, i was really enjoying my axe but i had to switch to a pole arm but oh my gosh the pole arm is fun i had no idea like that, that was a fun experience 
And so I'm not sure when the blacksmith comes into play, like how that will affect that aspect of exploration. Yeah, it, it may be that you don't unlock the blacksmith until you've beaten a certain level. I know you didn't unlock mm. the wandering trader until you had at least done pumpkin pastures. So right. you, you could potentially go through a lot of the levels before you get to. Maybe it, it unlocks after you've done Fiery Forge, which is basically like the third from last level, depending on which order you play Fiery Forge and Desert Temple. So mm -hmm. yeah, you, you might find that the blacksmith unlocks a lot later. Might even be one of the villagers that you're supposed to rescue from some of those levels. So there could be uh yeah there could be scope for players to have cycled through a few of the different weapon and armor options before they even get hold of something that allows them to upgrade their favorites so yeah it remains to be seen but i commend the devs for introducing these features that people have been asking for you know as the game was coming out and yeah. I, I don't know if they planned on adding these already and just hadn't found the right way to implement it or it was just going to be you know adding more development time to their you know projected release window uh but even so they've turned this around pretty quickly for the next dlc and um the fact that there's going to be a physical release is also cool for people who like to collect that sort of thing um being playing on pc and you know my pc doesn't even have a physical media drive aside from like usb stuff these days yeah. so yep. there's you know there's there's no no pc release for it but anybody who likes to collect the discs of their xbox ps4 games or the switch uh cartridges little sd cards for that then at least you will have a chance to have that on your shelf cool that the physical edition is the hero edition like it's not just the base game like you actually if you decide to buy physical you actually get the full uh, hero edition which i think is cool yeah uh and uh and again really cool that creeping winter is coming out september 8th creeping winter to me because of going into fall i was anticipating creeping winter to be a late fall dlc yeah i was, so, I was thinking it was going to be arriving sort of november time so yeah, yeah 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 so i it's fantastic that it's coming out so quick Hopefully they've got a little bit more stuff uh, lined up. But let's let's move on to the uh, the emails. This is a Chunk Mail Dispenser episode, which means we have a few emails lined up from you folks who have written in. Thank you so much for sending in your emails. And of course, if you'd like to email the show, the email address is, as usual, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Once again, that's spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Our first email comes in from Mechmorphic, who is actually a patron of ours, a landscape artist patron in our Discord, and the subject, as we hinted at earlier in the episode, is planning storage rooms aesthetically. So it's, hi Joel and Johnny, how do you approach planning out your storage rooms in Minecraft from an aesthetic perspective? Uh, I struggle to build anything, uh, I, I struggle to build in anything but a medieval style, as the chest texture is, in my opinion, not very versatile, but I don't want to change it. Also, do you have a favorite storage system from a previous world? Uh, thank you for all the amazing content you provide to the Minecraft community. Mechmorphic. So I agree that the chest texture is not very versatile. Uh, I even have a custom chest texture. It's uh, Germsy Boys. Uh, and in that texture pack, he makes the chests look like they're made out of oak planks. So it looks like other wood that exists in the game. So they actually go with other wood builds a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I also believe I don't use them as much as I used to because they change the need for them uh, in side-by-side -side storage systems. But the uh, trapped chest uh, is uh, spruce wood in, in his pack. Uh, I just use them because they sometimes look better in different different builds than when you're just making like a chest that is aesthetically supposed to be a chest and nothing else. Um, but I do find it frustrating because I have this white concrete and glass uh, stone modern bank in the block bank build in my modern city uh, and uses water streams and all kinds of cool stuff to move items around. We've got shulker boxes 
and I have to have wooden chests for the storage system. Um, I shouldn't say have to. I could have done more to hide them, but um, I think that's usually the first choice is you can help the Minecraft storage system not look like a rustic medieval build if you switch up every other material around the chests. After mm -hmm. a while, because you're so used to chests, they do sort of just melt away. Like you don't really see the chests anymore. You kind of see the whole room as a color. Like it's yeah. a white room, despite the fact that it's got brown chests in it. It's, um, it's the same as lighting. If you find yourself using torches for everything just because they're the most convenient light source, even in modern builds, after a while, you kind of don't see the torches. Or if yeah. you, do, you, you you have more uh, variety, more options, I guess, as far as storage goes, uh, as far as lighting goes, I mean, in, in modern builds. But yeah, yeah you, you can you can definitely start to ignore it for the sake of, well, that's the only thing I have access to, really. Yeah. But even some of the alternate storage options like uh, droppers or dispensers or things like that, they still have like a cobblestone side to them. It's, it's very seldom we have things that look modern. Uh, I guess hoppers but like again you're not going to get a lot of storage out of a hopper and it's potentially going to have issues where it's going to be sucking items from the things above or below stuff like that so um i i would if you wanted to move into something really slick and modern it depends on the style of storage that you've got going on uh works better with something like a silo storage where you're storing like you know a large number of things like cobblestone or whatever in one single column you could hide the chests behind a wall and just have the chest that you need access to either visible partly visible um correct me if i'm wrong but i think you can click through a banner so if you wanted to hang a banner over an opening just remember where that opening is and click on your chest to access your stuff that could be a way to hide things um but um but i agree that the the weird orange brown wood color of chests doesn't really make them very versatile um shulker boxes though uh are pretty cool and they add some versatility to your storage room so one of the things that i've done in the um the block bank is that at the bottom of all of the mass storage so grass stone wood things that we have a lot of from clearing land in the city also things we need a lot of like dirt and and grass for landscaping in the city as we build roads um, i have shulker boxes at the base of all of the storage silos so rather than having to go and fill up my inventory i can just walk up to the storage silo pick up the shulker box which is always full because it's at the bottom and take that with me out into the city and build with it and then when i come back to the storage room i just replace it and i've seen storage systems on series like hermitcraft and stuff like that where people have used shulker boxes in the wall instead of chests yes it's only a single chest worth of inventory but i would argue that a lot of things in the game you don't necessarily need double chests full um, so you could use shulker boxes, which do have a number of colors and, and have a slicker design. They could melt away into a, a storage system a little bit better and maybe have a little bit more of a modern look. Yeah, I, I like the look of even having one shulker box of every color just stacked in like a four by four square in a wall. And because you're accessing them from the side, they kind of they they almost have that that vault door kind of opening mechanism where the shulker rotates outwards which can actually yep. look pretty sophisticated if you're using it in the right way and yeah that's the kind of stuff that i i really like doing if you're if you're looking for aesthetic storage that's less functional and more just you know to suit the look of something and shulker boxes can be difficult to use if you're um i don't know if you're using them in certain types of builds certain styles they might not quite fit as well but i think a lot of the time then it becomes about either concealing storage or if you have bulk storage just dressing it up with the other blocks around it so there is a minimal amount of the actual chest with a latch kind of stuff uh showing 
uh, I wanted to submit something that I have been doing at the museum and something that I, I covered thanks to looking back through a few old tutorials by a guy called Red Nomster, who I believe now works for a build team who makes maps for the Bedrock Edition marketplace. Um, he had a really neat storage system where you can stack a bunch of chest minecarts on top of a hopper minecart, and you fill up all of the spaces in the chest minecarts with individual items, and then you fill up the hopper minecart spaces with a non-stackable item like a sword, for example, and then when you want to recall any item out of the uh the 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 minecart chests that are all kind of occupying the same space above it because entities can do that and as minecart chests they can do that you take one of that item from your inventory and swap it for one of the swords and then the hopper minecart will immediately start pulling that item out of the chests above it leaving one item remaining in the minecart chest that you can then refill later with a hopper if you want to so there's there's actually a lot of versatility to that a lot of uh, a, a few interesting things and with the uh, stacked minecarts on top of each other, especially when you can't really see the chest all that much, if it's concealed with something else, it looks like a filing cabinet, which I think is a really neat aesthetic for it. So I've been doing a sort of lo-fi version of that where I don't need the hopper minecart functionality, where I just stack two minecart chests on top of each other, and that is a double chest's worth of space stacked vertically in a kind of one by two, and you end up with something that looks like drawers that you could pull out, each with very easily accessible inventories. The uh, hitbox of a hopper minecart is actually fairly generous. So if you know where to click, then you can access both of those chests and you get a decent amount of storage space uh, without the need to have something that looks explicitly like a chest. It's got a metal front to it, which yeah, feels a little bit more like a modern filing cabinet to me. And I've included a, a picture with that in the show notes, which I'm sure Joel will be able to add to the show notes on the website. Something that I just kind of dawned on me is that I have uh, in my Ender Ender uh, concealed the enchanting setup in the ceiling so that it doesn't mess with the very futuristic, weird kind of like Tron vibe I have going on with sure. black and magenta glass and purple. Because again, bookshelves <laughs> kind of throw a monkey wrench in the aesthetic. Uh, so what I did was I put the enchanting table above everything and you can only see the bottom of the enchanting table. I kind of wonder... Uh, if you could do something similar with chests where instead of having your chests either at eye level or, or floor level or someplace where you have to look at them, if you had the chest accessible in the ceiling, <laughs> then depending on... Well, yeah, I mean, as long as you could look up and reach it without jumping, yeah. then it's convenient. Uh, and you could pretend it depending on where you're positioning that in the room, what you might have just in front of that you might not be able to see it at all when you walk into a room and then you could decorate the room however you want. And you'd never, you'd never see the weird Brown chest thing in the ceiling. Uh, or it could just look like Brown ceiling tiles. I mean, depending on what you wanted to do, right? My brain immediately goes to the airline uh, service announcements where they're saying, you know, make sure that you don't, uh, you know, put your luggage in the overhead lockers in a way that's <laughs> it's going to fall out on you. Thankfully not a problem with minecart chests, but uh, yeah, there we go. The next email comes from so cool 2025 blocks that are used but misused. Hi Johnny and uh, Joel and Johnny. In episode 100, you talked about blocks and items that you don't use 
or don't use very often. They've uh, That got me thinking of rare items in the game like nether stars that are hard to get, but once you get them, you can only make one thing, a beacon. Uh, I would love to see the nether star boosted so that you could use it to make different more powerful items. For example, there aren't a lot of lighting blocks in the game. This is something that you have both mentioned on occasion before. What if you could combine the nether star with say a crafting table, allowing you to combine a torch with any block in the game uh, and then that block would give off light. What do you guys think? Love the show. Keep up the good work. Cool. Um, it took me a second to realize that cool was the sign-off name. <laughs> I had to go back and look to see. I was like, cool. It's like, well, you answered, yes, it's a cool idea. But then I realized it was actually them signing off. Cool. <laughs> um, which is uh, very fun and nostalgic for me. A, a, a housemate in university, his, his real name was Johnny Cool. <laughs> as you think it was like that was his actual name and so you either called him one of two things you either called him cool or you called him johnny cool like you never ever called him johnny because you you could not not use his last name <laughs> uh it was just too fun uh so that, that was just kind of a fun note from from this email um i like the idea of utilizing um more difficult blocks to acquire blocks to affect lighting in the game i don't know if a crafting table that would then combine a torch with any block in the game is necessarily um, kind of like in the spirit of Minecraft. However, combining a nether star with something to then make a new light source or something like that, to me, is a cool way to gate that because it you have to then make a choice. Do I make a beacon or do I make light options? Do I go gameplay versus aesthetics? And if that's the case, it also puts it at end game. Well, not end game, but like it's later game. You're not going to be skirting the survival mechanics by having massive light sources super early on just by combining a few things. You'd have to eventually fight a wither to get this uh, light source option. So I think um, using items that are super rare or items that really only do one thing uh, to do more mystical things in minecraft i think is pretty cool i think like you know eyes of ender is another thing um i'm trying to think about other things that might be fun i mean blaze rods are used to make uh end rods but that kind of thing where like it's they they have very specific uses and it would be neat to kind of see very rare items in the game be used for something else yeah i kind of agree i do think the nether star seems untapped in terms of its potential the only thing it can make being a beacon i think that's that's kind of significant in a way. You don't get that many items in Minecraft that are one use. And obviously it can have some use decoratively if you want to put it up in a frame somewhere. But again, realistically, that's, you know, it's not often that you want to do that because you're usually making beacons out of them. I think beacons are important enough and rare enough unless you're one of those folks who just, you know, feels like setting up a giant wither skeleton farm and farming the wither. Um that you kind of want to turn them into beacons all of the time but if there were other options then that would certainly give you a bit of a bit of interesting choice i'm not certain about the lighting block crafting aspect of this that was suggested in the the email i feel like the problem then is one of well how do i differentiate these from the items that aren't lighting blocks like if, if it's assigning blocks a lighting value if you had like say a chest or something like that that uh you know you turn that into a light source then suddenly you've got to store those separately and we run into the inventory storage issue again because you mm -hmm. can't combine them with a stack that's already like it's, it's like renaming each item individually where you can't stack them up anymore 
Um, but yeah, I, I do think the the Nether Star could potentially have some some untapped potential that maybe players have not discovered yet and could be added in a future update. That seems like uh, yeah so, something that I can see adding adding more functionality to. Uh, Sword in our live chat uh, says a night vision beacon would be nice too. Like that, like having choices to be added to the beacon experience could be a fun expansion. You know, because right now the 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 beacon effects have been in the game for a very long time uh and and having to choose the kind of beacon that you make you know maybe it's a different kind of item or maybe it's not called a beacon but and maybe it's not set up the same way uh much the same that the conduit kind of gives you you know a very specific set of skills <laughs> yeah uh uh to 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 play with in the game i feel like it would be i i know that we've we've kind of talked about lighting and stuff in the game where a light source that does either a lot more light or the same amount of light but a farther range you know yeah. in the similar way that a beacon would would kind of like keep mobs from spawning is not the best solution to that because then it just kind of takes that pve aspect completely out of the game um but i feel like creating something with another star like that like a uh, i mean the the name beacon suggests like a beacon of light you know and and having to choose between a light beacon that is a little bit more powerful maybe it gives off you know a range of 25 by you know by 25 instead of instead of 15 by 15 or something um and depending on how high you put it like a lighthouse maybe it, it creates more um i think that could be an interesting an interesting mechanic to play with because again it's you'd have to be pretty end game before you can dot the landscape with all of these things yeah, I'm imagining combining a beacon with a daylight sensor somehow to provide the uh, the, the oh, switchable, yeah. the night beacon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> seems fun. I like that. Uh, moving on to the next email. This one comes in from Proco, and the subject is End Ideas. Hey, Jay and Jay. Uh, love the show and wanted to ask you about how you would do an end update. Personally, I think the next major update will be an end update because Mojang has said they want all three dimensions to be more unique. I've seen lots of images of ideas online, but what do you guys think? Do you think we even need an end update? Saving and quitting to title, Proco. <laughs> That's a very a very Minecraft sign-off. I like it. Um, yeah, I think an update to the end, while we did get one back in 1.9, that has been several updates since then. I keep having to remind myself of that um, because, yeah, it, it is still a very desolate landscape, potentially by design, but... We've seen the Nether go through a revamp to a desolate landscape, which has really given it a new lease of life for a lot of players in this update. So I do think the end may be overdue for an update and might have one in future. However, I think I feel like it's almost like Mojang would be playing all of their cards too early if they updated the end with the next major update. I kind of think maybe they want to hold off a little bit because there is such scope for some new stuff there that it sort of feels like the game would be more complete after that point and it might be harder to get people excited for forthcoming updates. I don't know. It's it's something that's come up in discussion on my streams occasionally and I kind of think, yeah, maybe they don't want to rush into doing something like that because then there are fewer uh, more or less empty things with Oceans, the Nether and the End all getting updates. It, I'm hard-pressed to think of a biome that really would need a great deal of overhauling at that point. But then they, they do plan on doing that to individual biomes like the mountain updates. So maybe that's, you know, me not thinking with the kind of scope that the developers have. If I was to speculate, I would say that there will eventually be an end update. But I would agree with you and don't think it's coming anytime soon. Uh, I think and would like Mo Mojang to do um, 
the overworld updates, the biome updates first. Uh, I almost think in a way that the wonderful way that they updated the nether um, almost makes some of the overworld stuff feel pretty dated, you know? Um, some biomes are better than others, but I feel like there's going to be some love and some lessons possibly learned from things that they've done with updating the taiga biomes and uh, updating the nether with all the new biomes uh the atmosphere stuff in the nether um granted the nether is the best place for it but there could be some fun things like think about if they did um mega taiga um, biomes over again and they added fog you know yeah. like yeah, mist, yeah. misty seattle kind of you know pine um redwood forest kind of fog yeah, like yeah. things things like that that could be pulled and done very well uh, and I think they want to probably take their time and do it right. Um, and I would I would say that from a business perspective, it would be better to update my, the core Minecraft surface overworld play, you know, before going into the end. Um, that said, the end is pretty bleak now, uh, much the same as the nether was pretty bleak, you know, before we had the update. And the update to the nether gives me great confidence that, whatever they happen to do to the end is going to be pretty cool in the like in the end pardon the pun um th like i i think that they almost have a blank slate it's it's so dull right now uh in terms of what you fly over and what you look at and how you deal with it and i think that um when i look at what they're developing with minecraft and i think about how the end is and how it was i guess i'm speculating on how it was originally conceived when it was first put in the game it feels like kind of an afterthought like it doesn't feel super complete to me um and i i think that uh there's an opportunity to have all kinds of weird stuff stuff that you're not even restricted to by the nether being this fiery dimension like the end is is really like this blank black chalkboard that you can kind of do whatever you want and people can't question it because there just there would be you don't even have to have a reason there's no gravity you know there's there's um no vegetation outside of um purple plants uh and or chorus root plants and like that's just weird so you can get weirder and i maybe it doesn't even have to be vegetation of any kind i don't know maybe you just have floating things i you know um, there's an opportunity to have some really, really fun stuff, which could add to, you know, new, new blocks, new crafting items, you know, perhaps new light sources that we just talked about, uh, for the love of all things, Swiss cheese, something other than endstone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I'd love to have more color in the end. We had so much more color and even though it's more color, it's more fitting color in the nether. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine there being some more fitting color in the end like we i joke around about having nether goop as like a, a a green slime or something like that in the nether for moving things around for liquid that would also be very good to have in the end i mean technically you have water right now that you can use in the end but i mean like you could have a neon green slime from ghostbusters in the end would make total sense <laughs> you know? yeah I mean, in, that's fine in bedrock edition water in the end appears purple which I always thought oh, was a, a a fun thing for Bedrock players. I feel like it would be, you know, trivial to implement in Java. Maybe even a resource pack would be able to do it for now. But uh, yeah, I, I think stuff like that and playing around with physics, I really do feel like, like echoing what you were saying, the end is a place where it is designed to either feel like space or a dimension where things 
are you know oh, yeah. not necessarily affected by stuff in the same way that the overworld is you have the introduction of beings that can teleport everywhere at will and have you know levitation powers in the case of shulkers and it feels like there is a lot that could be done with that if they wanted to extend that thematically so we've talked i think in the past about having water flowing vertically upwards instead of falling downwards so that you have to put roofs above water instead of you know uh making sure there's blocks below it that kind of thing and that might prove kind of difficult to work with and might just lead to columns of water being everywhere but you know if you want to extend that to um you know fire burning in different ways or something like that i, I don't know that there are there are a variety of things that you could just invert almost from the way things behave in the overworld or the nether and just kind of play around with that stuff and see what it's capable of space is a funny reference to make too because you could if it would be possible i don't know what the game mechanics and how hard this would be but like giving less gravity like giving moon gravity to to the end would be yeah. very interesting especially given how you have to traverse currently uh it would be kind of fun to say like well if i run really fast and jump i can probably make this jump from this one end island to the next without a light truck you know and just yeah. kind of have that weird kind of like moon jump sort of idea that would i mean be, that would you, be you've cool. already got the mechanics for that in the game already in the form of jump boost and it doesn't allow you to jump super high but at first but mm -hmm. then you only have access to jump boost two as a maximum level for the effect imagine having jump boost 10 or something and then being able to leap from island to island that way it'd yeah. be kind of kind of interesting i believe simply sark did a video a while ago where um, by stacking various effects and things like that he was trying to figure out if it was possible to jump the void in the end um, <laughs> from the central islands to the outer islands which is about a thousand blocks so yeah like i i think you could mess around with physics a little bit in ways that could be really exciting and if nothing else with the end being so barren there is opportunities to add a lot of interesting flora and it, i'm thinking in the kind of way that you find such a weird variety of plants when you travel to different planets in no man's sky where a lot of the stuff is procedurally generated properties for different plants so it can be a mushroom that on one planet was a couple of inches high and is as tall as a building on the next planet you visit and is also a shade of blue and also poisons you if you touch it you know and there could be mm -hmm. a, a little bit more procedural generation not just to the individual plants themselves but to the plants properties and there, there could be some more interesting variety put in there but then how you blend that with the existing end landscape and finding ways for that to be self-contained on individual islands and not just overlap in weird ways that would end up with the islands themselves looking incomplete i'm not sure if the biome system that works in the end already would allow for that or if it would need a little bit of an overhaul but if they're mm. overhauling the entire dimension there is room for it maybe every biome in the end ends up with a, a perimeter of void like they never actually touch you know like it's just that they're all their own little kind of ecosystems that'd be kind of cool yeah uh i i have a hard time reconciling how they would update the end but then also i guess they'd have to improve upon the end cities i mean they're kind of they're unique i'm not i don't know whether i would call them cool but they're definitely a unique minecraft thing um but i don't know how you improve the environment around and still have this very odd looking um i want to say that the 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 end cities to me feel a little bit dated compared to other things that are currently in minecraft like say the pillager outpost you know um i i think that they have they could use a little bit more more love in, in that respect but in terms of um 
uh, teleporting entities and levitation and stuff. What other, what mobs would you add to the end? I don't know. And it's funny because the last mob that was going to be added to the end was phantoms. <laughs> and they decided against adding phantoms in the end because there was no way to escape them. And I imagine that would have gotten very irritating in the long term. But yeah, I feel like flying mobs make the most sense there simply because there are fewer places to touch the ground. Um, so I'm thinking, yeah, some sort of larger flying mob would be really interesting. I think the reason we don't see a lot more larger mobs in the overworld is simply because the physics of them doesn't really make sense for traveling over blocks. And the only reason the Ender Dragon works as big as it is is because it never really touches the ground it kind of flies around lands on the end portal and then flies off again so i think if you're going to provide some larger mobs into the game thinking something along the lines of the space whale idea that we've discussed i think in a previous episode i think mm -hmm. the end is the place to do that because you don't run into as many issues with them having to pathfind to a block i'm running into that problem in skyblock with bees where they have to bumble their way back down to land at some point and in skyblock they can't because the void is everywhere so they just float down to the bottom of the world the void and stay there but if you have something that has the flight mechanics of something like the ender dragon where it doesn't really have to land at any point as long as you just keep it above or below a certain set of coordinates then you could probably make something quite spectacular and especially if you gave it like some neon colors to it like it's bioluminescent in some way I feel like that'd be a really interesting addition. How about you? What do you, what do you think about this one? So whenever I think about the end and mobs, I always think about a, a comic that I really enjoyed several years ago by an artist uh, named Ramon Perez called Kukuburi, K-U-K-U-B-U-R-I. Uh, uh, look it up. It's fantastically drawn. Uh, Ramon's a, a very, very talented artist, but uh, it just had all kinds of weird and wonderful creatures in it uh, from the flying whales to purple giraffes that have like circus hats on like it was just wild and strange and um, the main character drives like a little orange scooter through most of the world but some of her companions are these strange like cyclops one horned dwarf characters and everything has got like pink skies and neon green and there's and there's an iguana that kind of floats on her shoulder like it's just some random kind of like um surrealist i guess is the best way to put it you know when you think about things like salvador dali and clocks melting over things and i yeah. think like that kind of an aesthetic um especially if you know we we talk a lot about minecraft being educational or pulling from from those kind of things they they often do some environmental things with education and turtles and you know endangered species and stuff uh that they like to kind of give small nods to in the game so bringing in something like you know surrealist art or impressionistic art or some sort of like cool art to this blank canvas in the end would be really cool as well i think um, but uh, if people can if people want to look up kukuburi k-u-k-u-b-u-r-i i have i'll have a link in the the show notes as well uh, just so you can kind of see the the aesthetic that I'm, I'm thinking of, but I I think yeah, like weird weird things that are not necessarily always aggressive to the player, you know, like I I did, yeah. it could be fun to kind of have like um I'm trying to think about a, a good example. Well, foxes, you know, like foxes were a fun, cute mob. They're not weird, but they do have the derpy kind of like Minecraft eyes that are kind of not focused. Um, and I and I feel like having something like that in the end that is not necessarily uh aggressive to the player and maybe not something that you also want to just farm and kill you know because that's an odd 
kind of mechanic in the game but like if it was something that would be neat to um interact with and get something out of in the same way that they have these really interesting mechanics now with villager trading and piglin bartering i mean what if there was something in the end that you had to give things to to get things back or maybe it gave you like different different things that that was the only way to get it um that could be kind of fun yeah, I'm, I did a quick Google image search for Kukubari and I found a picture of an enormously tall purple giraffe uh, just kind of floating up in, from nowhere in the middle of all of these floating islands. And I'm absolutely on board already. I think that looks great. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of opportunity to expand the end, and some modders have already taken it upon themselves, including I believe uh, one of the members of our community Discord uh, has worked on a mod called the Energetic Expansion, which already adds a lot of uh, some of the stuff we're talking about. Like there are forests with kind of floating balloon-like trees and plants, and even some mobs like that as well. So if you are interested in messing around with some mods, I believe it has been updated to 116.1 already, according to the FTB wiki. So energetic expansion might be worth looking into if you're a modded player and feel like enjoying that. Uh, that is where we're going to wrap things up for this episode of the Spawn Chunks. We have one more email that we'll probably tackle in the render distance. Uh, so you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and as I have mentioned several times throughout this episode, uh, the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast, and our patrons are able to listen in live as the show is being made. And if you feel like doing that, you can join patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and pledge to join our community. Pledging at any level there gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, which allows you to listen in and join in a bunch of discussions we have about Minecraft throughout the week. It also gets us closer to our next goal, which is having an audio hangout, much like an episode of the podcast, but just private for our patrons, just to chat about what we've all been doing in Minecraft lately. That is our next milestone goal on the Patreon. We're currently at 208 patrons, which is another increase from last week. Welcome, all of you who have hopped on board since then. And special thanks, as always, go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken Seven, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can follow us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram and share the show that way. But a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Uh, just grab a server mate, grab a friend, poke them in the arm. Tell them about the Spawn Chunks and where they can find it and bring them on board. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. That's again, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And you can leave us a star rating or a review in the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. Your favorite podcast media platform is a great way to uh, leave a review for any podcast that you like. And it helps strangers that are just looking for a podcast about a specific topic to find it and come on board as well. The RSS feed is linked on thespunchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, which is the only place that you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. Uh, you can also pop over to twitch.tv slash joelduggan where I'm drawing live a couple times a week. 
currently working on some new emotes uh, for myself there, which is uh, great fun uh, to have some feedback from the community, but also an insight into uh, the art process, which I don't talk about on this show very much. So if you want to check that out, check the uh, the Twitch channel. Uh, the Citadel Cafe is a podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Uh, we talked about Wizards Tales of Arcadia last week, and I'll be diving into watching that this week. Lou, we gave a spoiler-free review last week. So if you're new to the series, it's a good opportunity to check that out. That's at thecitadelcafe.com. And I'm Joel Duggan on social media everywhere. Super easy to find. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and the piglins are brutal.